Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, so we did karaoke with the kids last night. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, there was a fundraiser for Harmony House where we went and karaokeed for a cause, as it was hmm. put. Mm-hmm. I imagine since it's, it was it was an all ages karaoke. I I love karaoke. I've never done like not adult maybe maybe alcohol involved karaoke i'm I'm trying to picture children involved sober karaoke and maybe that's a different vibe <laughs> well children were involved yes um but it was at it was at a place called the market which is like an outdoor area where you have access to multiple um stores and restaurants including a craft beer store so i wouldn't say okay. everyone was sober <laughs> okay that's, that's however you like to karaoke it's fine i, I just i i've I, I cannot imagine but that sounds fun yeah um it was a lot to karaoke without it, it first of all it's like a well-lit outdoor area yeah <laughs> um it felt very much like you're performing it didn't feel you know like it was definitely it felt like oh i'm just doing a little show here <laughs> outside I, I ended up at one of those, there's a karaoke place here in the city that it has weird hours, like it's open early, you can you can book private rooms, and I think they start at like 11am. Wow. And they have really good deals earlier in the day, so I, I once, long time ago, went to a birthday party that was like a daytime karaoke thing, and at first it's like, well, it's, really, it's too early to drink, like they did have a uh, drinks in the establishment but it's like it's just you know whatever but then I was I realized I was with really serious singers people that take karaoke very seriously oh. which is a whole different whole different vibe I was like oh no this this requires a, a perhaps <laughs> some lubrication yes yeah that's 11 a.m. is I feel like early for karaoke I do agree that at that point you're just performing mm-hmm. this felt like a performance um it, it, there was an element in order to up the donations. There was this tag element where you could like for, forcibly have one karaoke to a song of your choosing. Oh, but like you could get out of it by paying your way out. Like if somebody tagged you and was going to make you sing a song you didn't want to sing, then you just donate money and then you don't have to. Did you buy your way out of any songs? I did not. I did bail on a song. Uh, I was tagged to sing along um, with someone else as like a duet and I had never heard of the song. I'd never heard the song. I had no uh, awareness of the existence of the song. So I, um, as as I stood there staring at the screen going, I, I don't even know what sound, I mean, I know I can read the words, but I don't know, you know, mm. I don't know the melody of this song. Um, someone in the audience said, I do. And so I handed them the microphone and walked away. <laughs> That's a good move. Yeah. I, I think you got about a 30 minute window where not knowing the karaoke song is funny and you can kind of say the words and it's funny. And then you got, you got, you got to get out of there. <laughs> I'd, I'd never heard the song. It was something about let's hear it for the girls. Oh, you don't know that song? No. Oh. I know. Let's hear it for the boy. No, I mean, yes, but I, I think I did a cheerleading routine, too. Let's hear it for the <laughs> girls. That's a possible. cheerleading routine? Yeah, you know, back when I... That was, like, middle school. So is it, it an like old that. song, then? 
Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of the the boy, not the girl version. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, I mean, it was nice. It was a nice song. It seemed. I just had <laughs> never heard nice. of it. It was nice. Um, but yeah, there was that, and then uh, um, Charlie and Cooper performed the Time Warp for everyone. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, just the two of them got up, and I mean, they really, they did a great job. They sang the whole song. It was very impressive. I was very proud of them. I saw in the video they did the dance too. Of course. Oh yeah, they they did the dance. They did the song. Um, the <laughs> the guy who was running the karaoke, who was really good, as they walked up there and he saw what song it was, he was like, "Are you sure you all know this song?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, buddy, just wait, <laughs> just wait. Do they know this song?" Um, I had to investigate because I was dying to know. There is a song by a band called Alabama called Let's Hear It For The Girl. came out in 1986. There's another one that came out in 2016. Let's Hear It For The Girls by Morgan Miles. I imagine that might have been the one you were... Or maybe not. There is one that would have been around when you were in middle school. It was sort of a female empowerment type song, I believe. I bet it's this one from 2016 then. Yeah. The other one's like an all-male, like, white dude mustache band. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mustache band. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anything about Alabama other than their album cover. And it's for... (laughs) white guys with mustaches and sunglasses you know you know one of those mustache bands wait uh, yes that is a, it's a genre i would have well, thought what our dad looked like for a brief period of time i would have thought mustache band wasn't as much alabama as like something hipstery you know no i feel like i feel like if we're talking about music there were other genres that had claim to the mustache before hipsters came along and made them twee <laughs> Do they have yeah. do they have beards too? Um yes. I that's, mean even that. Like that's not Yeah. Like, that's a different vibe. One of them does kind of look like our dad. So maybe dad was in a band. <laughs> but dad from, you know, 1986. Um somebody was asking me if they like they were trying to figure out if they knew dad and they were like I was talking to the other day and they said is he like a tall guy with long hair kind of a kind of a cowboy kind of and i was like yep that's, yeah that's him yeah. <laughs> kind of a cowboy yep <laughs> kind of a cowboy um taylor it is it is spooky out there it is spooky out there well I, you know it was like the first October 1st, we had like drizzly, rainy weather and it lasted for like five days. And I'm like, yes, we are here. There's no sun in the sky. It is 50 degrees every day. I can wear multiple black layers. I'm so happy. I'm going to make soup and eat pumpkin and and look <laughs> make at Make soup gore. and eat pumpkin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> make soup, eat pumpkin, look at gore. This is my... This is a, and now it's like 70 degrees and nice out. So it still is spooky oh, outside. Just it's... You said look at gore. Yeah. 
not gourd. Look at gourd. No, look at gourd. I thought you said look at gourd. Behold I was gourd. Like, do you just get? Do you just get some gourds? And just look, because I would get it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, last night on my way home, a bodega had put out like pumpkins, and they had this this barrel of pumpkins, and they were like the big pumpkins that were like five dollars, and then there was like this assortment of like some of them were like palms, like pretty big, like I don't know, like. Like a three by four pumpkin in inches, <laughs> but they were all like two dollars, and then there were itty bitty ones that were in that same barrel. And I went through and I found the smallest one because with pumpkins, oh. it's like you either want the big one or the small one, right? Mm-hmm. So I paid the same price for the smallest pumpkin I could find. Just and that is absolutely just a beholding. It's a gourd of beholding. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people just look at gourds around the Halloween because then they, you know, they carve them and then they just look at them. Yeah. That's, I'm yeah gonna, so. This this little guy's too small to carve. He's just going to be there. Maybe I'll paint a face on it. Maybe he's just, he will be the unknown. That's his name. <laughs> I did get tiny pumpkins from Trader Joe's, but they were with the produce. Like they fully intended on you getting them to like, you know, mm. I guess cook with them or eat them. Yeah. Mm. But I just went through and found all the little white ones, oh. like little teeny tiny White white guys and light orange guys. I, I wasn't. I didn't guys. cook with them. No. They're looking at. So I guess you can look at gourds and gore. You look at both. There's some there you gory go. gourds. Too. Well, yeah. Speaking of gore. Yeah. There we go. How's that transition? Uh, yes. I uh, I asked you all to watch um, Battle Royale. Uh, the uh, the the original. The two the year two thousand came out. Uh, Japanese. I guess. It it it, it comes as an, an action thriller. There is a sequel. Oh, um, okay, okay. Yeah, and the, and the sequel's interesting. It gets a little bit more. It's more on the political end, less on just the just death island murdering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it was one of my favorite. I mean, you know, I was remembering because I was looking at like when this movie was released um, in the states, uh, and it was after I remember seeing it because I remember watching this in high school. But I absolutely bought an illegal subtitled copy at an anime convention in like 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. I think is when I first had it, first saw it. I was definitely still in high school. So it's got, uh, now has an official release. Now, questionable just, dub. You know, I'm not anti dub, but this dub is interesting. <laughs> okay, that's what I was going to say. It is an interesting dub. What did you, did you, you probably watched it on the same thing I did? What was uh, it? I watched it free with ads on free free prime prime had it free with ads just just is I yelling it, yeah. the name of the streaming service from the what is it was it voo free voo boo free v free v free v yeah free v yeah. I have the free-vee. I have the DVD of it like the actual legal release DVD free-vee? so free Freevee. Justin just Justin just interrupted just, this recording had, to I to said Freevee like a minute ago, yeah, but you're gonna no. keep screaming that. All right. No, I'm sorry. Justin That's was yelling okay. it from the other room, and I couldn't hear him, and I didn't know what's happening. Uh, um, yeah. Yes, that we all watched, I watched the, it on Prime. Also, okay. yeah. Which it's not like like a dubs. I mean, some dubs are really good. I think some dubs are on par with the original. This one, maybe not. No, maybe this not. was this was not. I I watching it. I was thinking. I'm not finding this as intense for some reason. And I think it's because the the dub is not the best. It's not the best. And also the translation isn't the same. Like the, mm. the subtitles are accurate, are more accurate to the dialogue 
than what the dub is saying. So the dub is saying one thing, and then the subtitles are translated accurately, which is, it's, it's an interesting move. I don't know, but whatever, it's, it's fine. It was free. Does that happen? Because, like, I've noticed a few times when I've watched something that I need translated, I always have subtitles on anyways, and then if it's dubbed, there's usually, like, some differences. Is it usually that subtitles are more accurate? Yes, because the subtitles are there for simply the subtitled version, so you're listening to the original language, the subtitles are there, they're usually more accurate, and with the dub... There's a lot more localization that tries to happen to make things sound natural, which sometimes works, but mm-hmm. in the case of this, it didn't. You know, you try to throw in, like, colloquial phrases when right, yeah. the dub is using a... Like, you can translate a colloquial phrase in a, in the Japanese language to just a, a subtitle, but then if you try to throw it back, because this character speaks in slang or whatever, you have to put English slang in their mouth, yeah. and then it gets mm. lost in translation. Sure. Well, and some of it just... It was just sort of like the 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 acting of the dub was a yeah. little like, I mean, th- I felt like there were moments. Oh well, okay. So first, you should share the plot of this. Yes, okay, if uh, anyone is unfamiliar, it's it's the Hunger Games before there were Hunger Games. Uh, yeah, uh, what the plot is basically that um, uh, in response to the sort of civil unrest and I don't know what delinquency that's running rampant in the Japanese youth. Uh, the government in, in in parts this BR Act, which is meant to sort of get the kids in line. And part of that is that one school or one class every year is selected to go to this island and battle to the death. And only one child is allowed to survive. So they have to kill each other. They're given weapons, uh, randomly selected weapons, and they have to fight against each other. And the one kid that kills everybody else is allowed to live and h- how this is supposed to make kids behave i'm not sure uh but that's that's the premise and this is the story is just following this this class class b that is selected to go to this island and and murder each other i the sense i get is that what like from the speech that the teacher gives who's sort of running the whole thing uh, is that like because you think you can do whatever you want and you don't have to listen to adults, we are doing this to show you that ultimately adults control you. Like, we have control over your, over your life. And whether you're good or bad, we get to decide what happens to you. Because it, since it is sort of random, there are going to be people in the class who maybe were behaving well and weren't, like, bad kids or whatever. Yeah. I, I think if anything, it would make me behave worse because I'd want to practice if I got taken to the island. I'd want to, you know, at least have some sort of fighting defense skills. Just just murdering people for sport, just to prepare not for a murder not island. The, not the murdering, but just like maybe my friends and I would have some, some practice fights so I'd know how to defend myself against so murder, you know? Like I might get in trouble club. just so I, yeah, like a little fight Just some playful that stabbing. That we never talk about. Yeah, sure. just a little. I, I should I should note that it is there is a novel that came out before the movie that came out in ninety nine um, by mm. Koshun Takami so perhaps that has a bit more I would imagine it's a novel probably goes a little bit more in the plot I will say this is very one thing I like about this movie is it's very tidy storytelling like it gives you just enough to understand what yes. you need to understand mm-hmm. and it doesn't belabor anything so you know yeah I think it's true it's, it makes sense there there's some reason this this is going to keep him in line. You know, maybe if you're particularly mm-hmm. a bad class, you're 
your former teacher can get you to the front of the the lottery. They were a particularly rough class, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, There were some that I think maybe in, you know, off screen, maybe had been having a little fight club because they were like ready. Yeah. Like ready. Like, like, you know, in the Hunger Games where it's like the ones who like want to be in the Hunger Games, like they're ready for it. Yeah. Like that's, that's, I got that vibe from, from. Yeah. It definitely, it's, it's weird when they, so does Hunger Games ever, is it ever said, like, has the author ever said like, yes, of course I was inspired by Battle Royale. I don't know. I feel like, actually, I feel as I was, I had forgotten how, I don't know. I mean, I guess. It's just so like it, it. It's clearly of the same vein. Well, and it. I mean, it is, and it. It's to the point that it, I mean, outside of Hunger Games, there's sort of a genre of this type of media that's out there that I think comes from Battle Royale. I mean, like Squid Games is definitely mm-hmm. partially aware of Battle Royale. Justin um, said the same thing. He said a lot, and in video games, he said. Yeah. Um, uh, Fortnite. <laughs> it's Fortnite. Which, yeah, he said has. Um, to, I mean, that has to in part be inspired by Battle Royale, and I don't know. I have um, remained ignorant of. I know that Fortnite is a video game. I recognize some imagery as like that is a thing from Fortnite. I don't know anything about the game. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your goals or objectives are. I don't know what you do in well, the game. It is. It is a battle, like a battle royale in the sense that one person is left standing. Well, like there you go. a bunch of people enter, you want everyone to die except for one person. Um, I did look up, by the way, because I was curious to see if Suzanne Collins had said this was inspired or this inspired Hunger Games. And apparently she has said repeatedly it did not inspire the Hunger Games. But Quentin Tarantino, on the other hand, has been very vocal about how much he thinks the Hunger Games, quote unquote, ripped off battle royale. Hmm. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino so, was a big fan of this movie. He said it was the one movie that he wishes he had made that he didn't. Wow. Wow. It's, That's honestly, it? makes sense. That is the... Hold on. Okay, but hold to be on, fair, this, he, he made this statement around the time Battle Royale was very popular. So maybe there have been other movies since then, but... That's just a That's a very... That's a wild thing to say. Like, there is only... Of all the... I mean, there's lots of great... Casablanca, no. Battle Royale, yeah. yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I, there are a million different, like, movies, books, TV shows, works of art that I, I wish I could say, like, yeah, I made that. <laughs> well, know? I mean, like, look at David. Like, I wish I'd chiseled that. Okay. All right. But it I, I I think in the sense of, like, it does look like a thing that Quentin Tarantino could have made. I think that's more mm-hmm. what it is. Like, it, okay. that he didn't make it is a little surprising because it has very much he's clearly very inspired by it i mean one of the actors that's in this is then goes on to be in um kill bill and it's clear that he was just like you (laughs) be in my movie now i didn't realize that i didn't realize that Um, either the uh i mean kill bill she's what her name is gogo you know the character i'm talking about oh okay yeah yeah she's in both um hmm uh, yeah, I mean the, the cultural impact. I mean it was referenced in other horror movies. Shaun of the Dead references it. Like, uh, it it was such a big when I when it came out. Like it was a big deal on I don't know what like nerdy 
horror fan message oh, yeah. boards. Like, you got to see this movie. Like, I remember seeking it out at a at a fan sub booth at Otakon. It had to have been like 2002, I think, 2003. But like, this was the one goal I had was to get a copy of Battle Royale. Yeah, you were the reason that I have seen it before. But I I think we watched it forever ago, and I, I had not seen it since. Um, I was worried. I really thought all of the kids killing each other and the kids dying would um, be too much for me. Um, but I'll tell you, the uh, <laughs> the dub <laughs> sort of softened it. That's fair. Because, well, it's just people don't sound, people sound like mildly annoyed by the killing sometimes like at times where you imagine the probably if you could hear the original they people are very alarmed like when they first find out the premise like you're we're gonna put you on an island and you all have to murder each other somebody's like what are you talking about <laughs> like what Nuh-uh. <laughs> like i don't know like that's not the exact you know what i mean i, I well, felt like a lack of alarm like when i imagine if i could understand you know the original japanese it probably was very alarmed i i think that that definitely takes away from it i mean because the original voice acting is so powerful i mean the the acting is so powerful Mm -hmm. Uh, i do think also i because i was worried about that too i'm like i picked this movie like it is very violent and i remember it being very violent but i don't remember being as disturbed by this violence as in some and i think it's because and honestly it is kind of the same thing like Tarantino also has a lot of ultraviolence, but there's a level of absurdity to it that you kind of can't, it, it is mm-hmm. bordering on like cartoonish sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And even in how it's depicted, like that is not how I, I feel like at this point we should say like a bit of a trigger warning. Like there's, this is a violent movie. If you're upset yes. by things like that, don't, don't watch, maybe don't <laughs> listen to the rest of the show. Uh, little break so you can leave if you want to leave the, 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 even the way the gore is presented is is it's very like the blood is just bright red and you just see blood spraying and that's mm-hmm. kind of it like it is not concerned with being realistic depictions of slaughter it's kind of just a lot of bright red blood and that's it so i think that there is that little bit of like removal from if this was a real it's like hyper reality yeah. I, I agree. To me, it had the same campy edge that like Scream has, mm. like the original Scream, where it's just like, because I'd never seen this before. I, I will be honest, I had never even heard of this movie before. I was not aware it existed. Um, and I'm very glad we watched it because I really enjoyed it. But it, that's why I enjoyed Scream is because it's like violence, but without feeling like you're watching violence. Yeah. Um, this felt very similar. Like I could watch the story without being distracted by like absurd amounts of gore or blood or violence or something yeah it's it has that same effect that like john wick has on me where after a while like it's just like how many people did he just kill in that room like how many people did he take on single-handedly and defeat like it becomes so ridiculous after a while that like it's not it doesn't make me feel sad like you know what i mean yeah it's more about and you're right the plot. kill bill does have a similar vibe yeah yeah i mean now that i think about it like the neck cut where there's a moment and then it's just like choo, spray like yeah. i <laughs> sydney as a doctor does that happen not like that well i mean okay i've never seen anybody you know do that in real life but no it wouldn't be quite like that uh, that's how, that that that's i don't imagine the human body works like that it's a good look i like to believe that's how it was. <laughs> i've seen blood doesn't it doesn't 
uh, like I haven't seen it spray like that. Like it spurts would be a better, you know, if it's like from an, if it's an arterial bleed, you're going to get a spurt with the, each beat of the heart. But, but like, we don't, we don't mist. No, <laughs> like a, no, it's not a mist. It is definitely not a mist. That is not, that is, that is not a, a factual depiction. Um, let's, let's talk more about the intricacies of the, of the plot itself beyond just the blood spraying or spurting or misting. Um, but before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh, so I, I like to listen to podcasts in addition to, you know, make, making them and music and all kinds of things with my ears. Um, and I love a good pair of earbuds that, um, work well and won't fall out of my ears. That's important. Um, because I'm busy, I'm on the go. Uh, I can't sit in one place and listen to stuff in a speaker. I need, I need it in my ears on the go and Raycon wireless earbuds are my go-to choice. Uh, Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. They've got these optimized gel tips so that they stay in your ears. They fit well. They're not going to fall out. That's one of the biggest problems for me. That happened with another not Raycon pair of earbuds long ago on an airplane. One popped out of my ear. And uh, and that was it for the rest of the flight. I had to wait till everybody was off so I could dig around under the seats to try to find it. And that's a pain. Um, but you, that won't happen with Raycon's earbuds. Um, they'll stay right in there. They're not going to budge. Trust me. Uh, Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, and they start at about half the price of other premium audio brands. So you're getting a great deal on a great pair of earbuds that are also going to stay put. Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Raycon earbuds, what should they do? Well, they should go to buyraycon.com slash buffering today and use your promo code buffering to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash buffering and code buffering to score 15% off. Once again, buyraycon.com slash buffering, code buffering. So, um, I also thought one of the things getting into the plot itself, I thought it was interesting. So we know how, have we talked about Hunger Games on the show before? I feel like we have. Didn't you? We not? We must have. We must have. I feel like we must I actually have. feel like at some point we've gone into it enough that we've talked about more than just the first one. I feel like then we started talking about a second one, did, the second one, didn't we? I agree. I feel like that's why I watched them all at some point was because you brought it to the table. I, There's no way. I, I was too into that book series and movie series when I was young. There's no way I haven't brought it. I think I think it's interesting that, and I, I mean, I guess if we haven't, I'm spoiling Hunger Games as well in this episode, um, that they both end with like a couple surviving mm-hmm. i think it's and some some trickery and some trickery that is true some mis- mischievous behavior i, I do think um, i mean i i think one of the i would say stronger things about battle royale over hunger games is that it gives real screen time to the interpersonal relationships of the the kids and now granted mm-hmm. they don't know that they're going to do a battle royale whereas the hunger game you know candidates do but there's yeah. a lot that just is a there it's very tidy storytelling where you get the the reason that these characters feel the way they do the stuff that might have happened in their past that caused them to act that way you know and i mean we're also it's all teenagers and i, mm-hmm. I like that like this that is that age where you know you you can be in love with somebody 
and you have never spoken to them before or have very strong feelings about other people like you know like you are my best friend you'll never betray me and it plays with those dynamics but it doesn't really belittle them it doesn't really treat them as not important yeah mm-hmm. no I, I i know what you're saying i, I they do take the, all that very seriously um which i think is nice i think it's you know it's nice to see that with teenagers who are usually sort of like that's especially in uh, in our culture like everything that they're into we kind of disregard as like well that's not very important it's just a teen thing um but it also makes it sadder <laughs> yeah oh yeah i mean it's it's brutal um mm-hmm. uh, i like uh there are two there are two moments i feel like in this movie where um kids and in both cases it's um young women murder someone a man who is attacking them (laughs) that i feel like are like i don't know i feel like they're like little like feminist moments in there like there's the one guy who gets sort of stabbed in the crotch (laughs) Uh, because he is he is threatening to sexually assault her that was uh chigusa did that right the the girl that that Mm -hmm. runs Yes, that's mm-hmm. and I'll I'll ask you all later. But like that, that's the character that I felt like. What would I do? You know, when you watch a movie like this, what would I do if I was in this? And like that's what I do: just find some place to hide and get my daily run in, and just be ready <laughs> to run from people. If you come to me, I'll kill you. But I, I'm not going to kill anybody if you don't come to me. <laughs> Honestly, I had a very similar yeah. thought of just like that's a pretty good tactic, actually, just staying out of people's way, knowing you can you can do some damage if needed, but you're not going to seek it yep. out. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. The problem is that if more than one person decides on that, both both of your oh, that's the other element to the plot. You're wearing a collar that can explode and kill you if it's activated, and like they can do that because you're either in a danger zone or if you if if more than one person is still alive on the end of day three. So they have that sort of yeah. fail safe, so that there's no way you can, you know, get out of it. The time limit is an interesting addition because obviously I was viewing it through the lens of only having seen Hunger Games. So even though this obviously came first and probably did influence Hunger Games, in my mind, I was looking at differences between this and Hunger Games. Um, And Hunger Games obviously doesn't have that. They kind of like try to force it if it goes on too long, but there's no like set amount of days. And it almost makes it feel more exciting to watch when you know there is that limit because instead of it just being about making these kids you know kill each other it's like oh there's this whole other outside influence that's not just like little magic fires they can set like in the hunger games it's like Mm -hmm. always there at all times yeah um and adds a sense of urgency that makes it i think more exciting to watch it's it's hard to kind of fall out of it Mm -hmm. And it really underlines like the hopelessness they must feel at first because it's like mm-hmm. there is no way out of this unless you're willing to either kill other people or hopefully wait it out long enough so that everyone else kills everyone else, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it is, I don't know, it's, it's interesting commentary on like, just it's sort of a microcosm of what would people do, different types of people do in a situation like this. I think the sad thing is, is that there were there were not just one. There were two ways that anyone that could have survived and been organized enough could have gotten out of this because both the uh, what Kitano. So there are two uh, like exchange students that are brought in. <laughs> I don't just to be cool and uh, 
they've they've. I was wondering if that was. <laughs> they, well, they've survived prior games. I guess is the idea. Um, and uh, and one is sort of there to sort of seek justice. He he was forced to. He he was the last one alive with his girlfriend and one of them had to die. Uh, and then the other one is just there because he likes killing people, I guess, is that that's his character. Yeah, that's uh, the implication. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but there are there were the one that came back sort of to, to who had been forced to face off against his girlfriend sort of wants revenge and he knows how to deactivate the necklaces. So he came in with that knowledge. And then there's also what Minami, I think was the character's name mm-hmm. or Mibura. Minami, yeah, who who hacks into the system. I like the, yeah. the, the time that this took place in, too, is that the kids were kind of smarter than the adults as far as, like, how yeah. computers work. So he can hack into the system and could have shut it all down and probably also gotten everybody off the island. Like, there were two ways that if people had just organized and worked together that maybe lots of people could have survived, which is, I think, is a little sad. It's, you know, that they could have easily outsmarted the the dumb adults that orchestrated this. Yeah. Well, and you have to imagine that's intentional commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, if you worked I together, hope. you guys could have beat us. Well, you need to learn to play in our world. Oh, you know, you've got to only the strongest survive. It's like, actually, no, mm-hmm. it's the people that work well together survive. That's, that's yeah. what mm-hmm. it is. I also thought it was interesting. I noticed, um, not in the movie, but like the, the making and production of the movie, I noticed on Wikipedia, it said that it wasn't allowed to be like widely distributed in the u.s for several years and then it was like direct to dvd produced in the u.s is that yeah, right and it was banned in a couple countries for a while too like there yeah. was a lot um i mean it was even met with controversy when it was released in japan which is it's interesting now in retrospect because i don't think it is anything more violent than a lot of movies that were concurrent with the time i don't know if maybe it's the added layer of the of the social commentary hmm Either that or just um, that it's explicitly children killing each other, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, usually like there aren't a lot of movies that are prefaced with that, or at least there weren't at that time. If, if you know, if teens are getting killed, it's by some sort of malevolent, you know, homicidal slasher kind of, you know, that thing. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be other kids killing each other. Yeah. That was just interesting to me because I figure... Uh, how many years was it before it was released here? Do you know? Like, actually released? I want to say... Um, I figured it was at least a couple. 20, uh, 2010 was when it got a direct-to-video release. 2010? Um, I think that might be right. Wow. I thought it was even later than that, honestly, but yes. Wow. So, that's interesting then, because we didn't not we, but like as a country, we were like, no, we don't want that here for a decade. And then I think in 2008 was when the Hunger Games book came out. And all of a sudden we were like, oh, well, if, you know, mm. an American woman writes it and makes it, you know, more of like a Eurocentric love story, then that's okay. Yeah. That's interesting that we changed our minds about literally the same exact story. Uh, and then it was okay to have Battle Royale released here. Because I'm pretty sure 2008 was when the book Hunger Games came out. And then the movie, uh, 2012? 2013, maybe? That's interesting. So right around the same time. Yeah. Yeah, because it looks yeah. like it, it was It was never given a theatrical release in America. It was test screened 
in the early 2000s, but that was right around Columbine, and then it was it, it oh. delayed. Um, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, that makes sense. And I was thinking, I mean, I was thinking about that in terms of when I, before I watched it, I was, I kind of felt bad, because like, oh, I forget how much gun violence is in this. And it, it's interesting how this, I mean, the symbolic, when any piece of media you create, write, you're both thinking of the story you're telling and the symbols you're employing and how guns have, there's such a gap in their meaning between some cultures and what they mean here in America. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. too that's in play here. I mean, this was before a lot of, well, not before a lot of the gun violence in America, let's be real, but the proliferation in recent years Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. even more departed that symbol has become in our country. is just like, it's not, I mean, I remember thinking the character Kiriyama, who's the, the other transfer student, mm-hmm. the, the, the the kid with the roughly red hair, I thought he was the coolest mm-hmm. character. Like, I loved that character. And I feel bad that I still kind of do. Like, he doesn't have a single word of dialogue. He's just, a like, a force of nature. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now I kind of question my intrigue of that character as a young person because it's hard to, it's hard to have that same admiration and, like, oh, wow, he's so mm-hmm. cool. Like, no, he's just... He's just a problem. He's a problem that we that is real. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting that you bring that up because I guess I hadn't really thought that thought about the fact that there aren't there aren't guns in the Hunger Games, I guess. Like they have like bows and arrows and mm-hmm. spears and stuff, but I don't believe even like the well, maybe the like police officers basically they do, but not the kids. Um that is interesting you bring that up. I hadn't thought about that cultural moment of this being here in 2000. That, um, yeah. Because obviously that was when I was born, so I didn't have a lot of cultural awareness uh, of the times. <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> at this moment, then I developed a cultural awareness and I was like, oh, guns are just everywhere. Woo-hoo, it's okay. <laughs> you know, too, I will say like something that the Hunger Games did that maybe made it more palatable for people is it was set in this sort of dystopian future. And so as part of that, there were, there was weirdness about like the way people looked, the way they dressed, like there were all these technological things that were weird and advanced and stuff we don't have now, which removed it even more. This battle Royale is very gritty and realistic in the, in the depiction of like, you know, these are the weapons that existed. These are the, mm. you know what I mean? Like, the, it looks like it's just happening now. It, it Yes, obviously, it's dystopian, but it doesn't look futuristic in any way. Well, I feel like that's sort of a, a catch-22 of, of, of if you're purposely writing fiction is you want it separate enough that people will follow it, will, will pay attention to it, and won't be repulsed by it. But you don't want it so dis- distant, so removed, that they could be like, mm-hmm. oh, that was a nice story. That'll never happen here. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's right. a too close to home, it's like, no, that's awful. That's terrible. Like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. that's happening. It's happening in our, in our country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I think, I don't know if this is why, probably not why, probably just, you know, money that Suzanne Collins decided to write the prequel, you know, two years ago for the entire trilogy. Um, but I think the generation of people reading it when it first came out, a lot of them were my age and we read it like, oh, this is so distant and removed. They have all this cool technology and look at the outfits they're wearing. And oh, this is a nice love story. And then we got older and reread it. And we were like, oh, wait, this is 
this is maybe social commentary. They just, we put it in the future to tell ourselves that it's not, it's not about right now, but it is. Yeah. Um, so basically they're both, uh, I don't want to say they're both saying the same thing cause they're different in a lot of ways, but battle Royale was just okay. Being like, I don't want, we don't need to hide this and pretend like it, you know, isn't talking about the current world. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. And that, I think that is kind of interesting because, um, it, you can directly apply it to society then when it came out and now. Um, so maybe that did make people more uncomfortable with the idea that, and especially like you pointed out, like the problem as insurmountable as it seemed, if they had worked together from the beginning, nobody had to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Tano came on the island knowing how to deactivate the necklaces. Uh-huh. Minami could have really shut them hard. down so nobody could have been tracked. Like they, Everybody could have survived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that also kind of separ- separates from the Hunger Games because there's a level of control in the Hunger Games where you kind yeah. of, no one's going to get off of there without, I mean, right. it's basically you like a full scale attack. Like when they actually yeah. do break into the games with the, the third book or whatever. Um, yeah. Like that, this is, this seemed sur- more escapable than it, you know, mm-hmm. than it ultimately was. Um, but that's a, and that, that's a really powerful like if you if you really take that message and extrapolate it out like if you if the people in power who are desperate to maintain their power even if they're not the best the smartest the strongest but they are desperate to maintain their power are constantly telling everybody else that they have to fight each other to survive that the each other are the enemies then they're constantly pointing their anger and their you know violence at each other instead of working together to overthrow the power that is oppressing them. Mm. Which is, I would say, relevant. Yeah. It did feel very, very relevant to the times. Having watched mm-hmm. it for the first time, you know, in 2022, it didn't feel like I was watching something that was super out of date. Some of the technology stuff, obviously, was like... Sure, like little <laughs> two-bit hacking. Mm-hmm. I, I love that, that like, <laughs> yeah. he's hacking and he's, like, wiping sweat from his forehead because he's hacking yeah. so hard. <laughs> I miss when when that's what hacking was in movies. Right I now. was aware for a brief period of time when that's still what we thought it was. Mm-hmm. Typing really hard. Yeah, I miss that too. I, I miss I miss the old hacking days. I don't know. You know what though? I don't actually know if hacking ever was like that. That is. I, it probably no. wasn't right. You're usually. You, I just don't you, think anyone understood it. <laughs> I think you have to run a program and you have to let it kind of do its thing for a while, and then you come back and you do something else. But there's a lot of waiting, mm-hmm. from what I understand, in actual hacking. There's a lot of like, <laughs> just seeing if something works. Yeah. Not frantic typing. No. Not like somehow rendering like a, a, a an eight bit sword to cut through a firewall. Yeah. <laughs> just seems to be um, I will say thank you for showing us or bringing us this because I had never seen it. And this is exactly the kind of like spooky movie I like watching because it's more of a thriller, I guess, than like mm. a horror movie, which mm. I find more enjoyable because I don't necessarily have like nightmares about like scary clowns or whatever in it. It's more That's so true. just like keeps you keeps you on the edge of your seat and kind of like heart racing while you're watching it. And then it doesn't, you know, might give you some like social nightmares but not you know yeah like scary creatures that are going to come get you so i really enjoyed it you might look around your class the next day and be like okay but if (laughs) exactly i did i did kind of sit in my like 150 person sized lecture hall this morning like hmm 
<laughs> there are a lot of us here. How would that, how would that turn out? I hope I wouldn't get the pot lid. <laughs> <laughs> that did feel very unfair. Pot lid and binoculars, yeah, so that was very cute. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of unfair. At least, like, I mean, if you're going to say you each get a weapon... Binoculars are not a weapon. Isn't isn't that how life is, though? We're all expected to, you know, lift yourself up yeah. by your bootstraps, but some of us aren't even given bootstraps. We're given pot lids. Some of us True. get a pot lid, and some of us get, I guess, a machine gun. <laughs> I guess. Society. <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciated you uh, mentioning it, Tay, because I, I literally, I don't know if I've seen it since way back when, so... I enjoyed rewatching it. Well, th- thank thank you both for for giving it a try. I uh, I was worried with all the violence, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad you uh, enjoyed the the watch. Oh yeah, no, it, it, yeah, and I we'll, we'll we'll make sure and mention. I was about to say it, this movie isn't for you if you if that kind of stuff is not your you know is not something you want to see. Um, we should put that in the description of the episode, though, not just say it at the end of the episode because that is entirely unhelpful. Yeah. I could do that. Um, <laughs> Well, what is next, Riley? So it is still spooky season and the movie I want us to talk about just came out and it's not necessarily traditionally spooky, but it is because it's about teenage girls, which I find teenage girls to be scary enough on their own. Um, And I want to talk about Do Revenge. All right. I haven't watched that yet, so I will have to. I just think it's too perfect for us to talk about to not talk about it as soon as possible. And this is my right. first chance to bring something since it's been available. And also, I've seen it twice now, and I just really want to talk about it. So. All right. Sounds good. It's on Netflix. Um, thank you both. Taylor, thank you. Thank you. Um, listeners, it, there is a thing called Freebie <laughs> or Prime. Or Prime. And Freebie on Prime. I don't know. Anyway, that is where we found Battle Royale. And it was great. Um. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun. You can go to MaximumFun.org and listen to lots of great shows that you would enjoy. You can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for a theme song, Baby, Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I, I am too. I think I'd want the poison. Yes, what, what, what was that? Cyanide. Cyanide. Mm-hmm. Does it really work that fast? It's pretty quick. I don't know that fast, but it is pretty quick. Why you ask? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. Scary. Yeah. What the medical, uh, medical situation there? Uh huh. Yeah, I like a fast one. I like that uh, the, the the redhead guy got the fan, the paper fan, because it reminds me of Tatsuki from Yuki. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> And now, a live reading from Rachel's Poetry Corner. Elephant's Theremin's Clifton, Neopet's Pore Strips Jepson, Pine Smell Jellybean's Goalie Goals, Skittles, Squirrels, and the Mole, Celery Chopsticks Pumpernickel, A Case of You by Joni Mitchell, Lullabies Tie-Dye, The More You Know, all of these things on our wonderful show. All of these things and more wait for you on Wonderful every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. 
Audience supported.